The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life for my sake, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, <clears throat> so this morning's gospel reading gives us another opportunity this week to reflect on the life of St. Peter. <clears throat> and St. Peter is <clears throat> very close to my own heart because he's my confirmation saint. I remember being in confirmation class and we have to choose a confirmation saint, which just seemed like a lot of work to do a lot of research. So I just said, St. Peter, because he was the first pope. Sounds good. Check. Little did I know that his life would reflect so much my own life in many ways. In the lives of many of us. You know, last week, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? I sort of imagine them kind of looking at the ground, like, uh. Some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets. And then more directly, he asks them, who do you say that I am? I sort of imagine them looking at the ground, kind of kicking rocks around, hoping somebody else speaks first. And Peter very boldly says, you are the Christ. 
the Son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you. Simon, son of John. Because it was my heavenly Father that revealed this to you. And from now you will be called Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And Peter receives all of this praise and affirmation from Jesus. And then immediately after this, our Lord starts revealing to his disciples that he must suffer from the elders, chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and raised again on the third day. And Peter pulls him aside and he's like, Jesus, don't say that stuff. No such thing will ever happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. So he goes from receiving the ultimate affirmation from our Lord to immediately our Lord calling him Satan. And that's sort of the course of Peter's life as we look at him in the Gospels. He was sitting in his boat one day and this teacher gets in the boat and starts preaching the gospel to the crowds in this boat. Get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Come with me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Okay, maybe he doesn't really know I'm a sinful man and I'll just kind of go along for the ride and see what happens. Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then immediately get behind me, Satan. Later, he'll be chosen to go up the mountain with Jesus at the Transfiguration. In this inner circle of three. And he'll say, let us build three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Nope, we're going back down the mountain, and I have to suffer greatly. At the Last Supper, Jesus starts washing everybody's feet, and Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. Sort of imagine Jesus going, oh. Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you are not worthy of the kingdom. Again, he tells them he's going to suffer greatly. Again, Peter says, Lord, this will never happen to you. I will never abandon you. Before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And then he does deny him three times. He does abandon him in that moment. And then finally, after our Lord had died and rose again from the dead, Peter says, I'm going fishing. Kind of as if to say to the other disciples, We've totally messed this up. No longer worthy. I'm going back to the beginning. I'm going back to what I was doing before Jesus entered into my life. And then our Lord appears to him. 
and asks him three times, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. And this journey of St. Peter is the kind of back and forth and back and forth and yes, I'm going to follow you and oh, I just denied you and I'm going to never sin again and I just fell into sin again that we all go through in our lives. When we look at St. Peter, the Gospels become kind of a school of learning to trust in our Lord. To really believe that what our Lord says about us is true. Because at the heart of things, that's what Peter's learning. He's learning that what the Lord says about him is true. He's learning that our Lord knew exactly what he was doing when he got into that boat at the beginning of his public ministry. He knew exactly who he was calling when he said, (laughs) he knew exactly who he was calling when he said last week, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. He knew what he was doing when he took Peter with him into the garden when he went to pray even though Peter was falling asleep. And Peter learns that our Lord is trustworthy. And he learns that our Lord has chosen him, despite the fact that he's a sinful man. And that school of trust that Peter and the other disciples went through throughout the Gospels, it's the same school of trust that we all have to go through in our lives. As we come to terms with the fact that our Lord has loved us and chosen us and called us, that our Lord has entrusted us to spread the Gospel to others, most especially to spread the gospel to our young people, to spread the gospel to our family members, to our friends. It's that same school of trust and we find ourselves oftentimes in the same pattern. And one of the bigger insights I think that we should glean from the life of Peter is that it took three years for him to go from get away from me, I'm a sinful man to preaching the gospel at Pentecost and the Acts of the Apostles. How long did it take? It took three years of walking with our Lord, of trying to learn what it means to be his disciple, of allowing our Lord's words to take root in his heart. Three years of focusing on and experiencing our Lord's mercy in his life as he goes forward and backward and forward and backward. 
these three concentrated years. And so we might ask ourselves, have we ever spent three years just focused on our conversion? Like For three years, all I'm going to do in my prayer life is focus on the fact that our Lord loves me, even though I'm a sinner. And trying to learn what it means to trust in him. In the early church, when people wanted to become Christians, they would become familiar with a Christian community. They would join them for prayer. They would join them to hear the gospel preached, but they would never step into the church. They would have this like mass of the catechumens, which was more of a place where they heard the gospel preached and they were deciding whether or not they wanted to change their lives. And at the end of that three-year period, or maybe it extended to five years sometimes, they said, yes, I want to change my life, and I'm going to live only for our Lord, and I'm really going to surrender my life and trust in Him. And then they would be baptized and confirmed, and then they would enter into church. For most of us, we grew up in a Catholic family. We've always come to Mass, and at a certain point, we started to receive the sacraments. And we maybe never had that period of three years of just learning what it means to trust in our Lord. And when the popes talk about new evangelization, this period of new evangelization, where Pope Francis is putting so much emphasis on mercy and conversion, welcoming, even though people are sinners. The church is really calling us to a new period of conversion, a new time in which we have to be willing to walk people through that conversion process, since maybe we have to go through it ourselves. You know, about four years ago, I came back from my studies in Rome, and at that time, they had just had the Synod on Evangelization. Pope Francis finished the document on faith, Lumen Fide. Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples, had come out. And I started to realize that there are lots of people in the church who practice their faith, but they don't really know our Lord. They're still uh, in that back and forth place. And maybe I was in that back and forth place. And so in my own prayer life, I kind of took all the things that I had been doing, and they're not bad, but I put them on a shelf, and the only thing I started focusing on was our Lord's love for me. On receiving that gift from Him. What it means to trust in Him what mercy means.
And it completely transformed my spiritual life. As I allowed myself just to be a sinner who's in need of our Lord's mercy. There can be great benefit to all of us to just give ourselves permission to spend a significant amount of time just focused on what does it mean to trust in our Lord. To focus our prayer life on just meditating on the Gospels. Coming to know who our Lord is in a personal way. To focus our prayer life on reflecting on how our Lord has shown up in our life. Metaphorically, how he's shown up in our boat. And chosen us even though we're not worthy. And despite our unworthiness, he still calls us to be witnesses to his grace, love, and mercy in the world around us. Because we definitely live in a difficult world. We live in a country where there's a lot of political division. Right now in the church, there's a lot of division Right now in our families, there's a lot of division. There are a lot of voices that speak an anti-gospel. And the only way to persevere in the midst of that kind of division is to completely surrender our hearts to the love of Christ. to allow him to completely transform our lives. Which takes time and attention and reflection on how our Lord continues to enter in and call us over and over and over and over. Until, like St. Peter, eventually, we truly come to know and understand who he is and how he's called us. And we come to believe in the core of our hearts that what Jesus says about us is true. And so today let us pray. that we keep our eyes fixed on the gaze of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we allow him to reveal himself to us each day. 
and most especially that we learn the lessons from this school of trust so that we too may be completely and totally united to him now and in the life to come.